Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello, I'm Ian Parkinson. If you made it down to the Ruler Classic event in London recently, I hope you enjoyed it. There were some fascinating interviews and discussions on the stage and every type of bike and bike kit from historic to exotic on the stands. If you didn't make it, don't worry, because we'll be featuring interviews with many of the stars of the show on this podcast over the coming months. We start with two of the most interesting team managers in the peloton, Jonathan Vorters and Patrick Lefebvre. At first sight, there may not be too much in common between the urbane, sharp-dressed American and the old-school veteran Flandrian, and they certainly don't see eye-to-eye on every subject. But this year, they both had to work hard for their team's survival. In the summer, it looked as though Jonathan's team, then known as Cannondale Draypack, might not find a sponsor for 2018. Oh, I mean, that's a very long story, but, uh, but you know, end of the day... Um we just needed to find, you know, a, a new naming rights sponsor, and we had to take it all the way to the wire to, to finally to finally find that. Um, I mean, there's a million different stories and iterations and, and hard points that, uh, that that got us there, but the good thing is, is we got it over the line. I, I mean, there were just there's so many moments where it was just in, incredibly tough that it's kind of only like hard for me to get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a hard game. Sponsorship sales is a very, 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 very hard game. You're asking someone for millions and millions and millions of dollars to put, you know, a logo on a uniform, and um, and it does have value, and we strongly believe it has great value. Um, but nonetheless, it is it is a hard pitch. Although you can't uh, name them, there there was someone that you thought was going to be a sponsor, and then that didn't happen, and that's that 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 presumably was the worst point. For sure, we we thought that we were in the clear, and and it it uh, it just didn't work out. I mean, we had to act very confident, very um, when when we weren't. That's a hard thing to do to 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 convey confidence when um, when the situation is anything but. But at the same point in time, if you don't do that, the team falls apart really quickly, and you don't get second place in the Tour de France. So you have to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to sort of you know push down your emotions and hide your emotions a little bit and move forward, or whether you're going to um, or whether you're you're, you're going to sort of fall apart in front of everybody and let them know the reality of the situation. And, you know, one one is a lot harder to execute on. The other one's a little bit easier to execute on. But then but then if you fall apart in front of everyone, the easy way out 
then you're never gonna you're never gonna find a path forward. From the outside, it seems extraordinary that you know this is the top level of an international sport we're talking about, and yet so many uh, teams it still does seem to be hand to mouth each year. Yeah. Uh, like I said, sponsorship is a hard way to go about things. There's no other sport in the world that has this sponsorship-only revenue model. It doesn't fundamentally work. I mean, we've we've made it work again for you know a, a, a time forward with with EF Education First, and we thank them for that. Um, but you know, something needs to, to change there, and and I don't know exactly what the answer is, and so on and so forth. But if we want to avoid this sort of you know constant flux of one team comes in and one team blows up and one. There have to be some structural changes that either allow the sponsorship market to flourish or that there's, you know, a different way of going about and, and monetizing these teams. Uh, you said that you, you have found the sponsor now, EF Education First. Um, but before that, you turned to uh, attempting crowdfunding effectively to, to keep it going. That was more to, you know, to show fan engagement. Um, which I think worked wonderfully well um, because we, we showed that, you know, we have over 5,000 fans that are, you know, willing to put a lot of money into the team, which in one week, you know, who knows how much that would have raised had we kept that running for, you know, a year or, or whatever. So it's, it's um, something that demonstrated to the, to the world of corporate sponsors that we were a valuable entity. How do you go about convincing a, a, a sponsor that sponsoring a, a, a cycle racing team is something that's you know, commercially viable and commercially valuable to them? It's a tricky proposition. Uh, I think, you know, in sort of 1980s, 1990s, even early 2000s, uh, the, the proposition was simple, is we'll spread your brand to, you know, one billion eyeballs around the world. Right now, that's uh, much more complicated. And it's more complicated for, for the simple reason of, of AdSense and you know a million other online platforms where you can just purchase an exact amount of advertising that will be you know through artificial intelligence essentially targeted to your exact audience it's incredibly efficient and incredibly effective you know i'm almost doing a sales pitch for it whereas you know a sponsorship is a more ethereal thing and so when you're going head to head with something that has such a direct roi you know people always ask me well what's your competition you know with with sponsorships is it football is it tennis is it no it, it, it <laughs> It's, it's direct advertising online. That's our, uh, that's our competition in cycling. You have to convince, you know, you, you can show the audience size very easily and the, the metrics thereof, but you have to convince any potential sponsor that there is an emotional element of engagement that you cannot buy via uh, your various, you know, online advertising platforms and that, that you, you know, that the fans or the people that see the team or love the team that 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 level of engagement is not achievable through another advertising platform. And, and that's what you've got to sell at the end of the day, um, which is a hard thing because that you can't sell that. You only can sell that in person. You can't sell that in a, in a PowerPoint presentation that you send along to someone. You have to be in front of them. And so getting the meeting, getting in front of the right people, getting through all the steps in the stairs and in a corporate ladder to even get to, you know, to be sitting down in the boardroom in the first place, it's, it's difficult. Um, it just takes... It takes time, it takes persistence, it takes persistence, it takes persistence. So with that drama behind you for uh, at least, we hope, the, uh, the reasonable future, what's next season looking like for you? It's going to be a new team. We have a, obviously a lot of turnover, but uh, end of the day, the goals will remain the same. And, you know, Sepp van Marco winning a monument in the Classics and uh, Rigoberto Ran doing 
the best he can do in the Tour de France. What role are you playing? Are you essentially now the sort of uh, the business person now? Oh, I mean, I, I serve all kinds of roles within the team. Uh, this last year, finding sponsorship was clearly the priority. Um, I did not pay attention to the racing side nearly as much um, as I have in some years. Um, but hey, look, it worked out great, meaning that I've hired great people like Charlie Regalius and Andreas Clear and, um, and, and allowed them to, to do their part. You know, I don't need to stick my nose back into that business. Um, I think going forward, uh, my role is going to be shifted a little bit more to just sort of developing what is the long-term strategy of the organization, you know, as opposed to chasing dollars around. Now we get a chance to reinvent ourselves. And so, okay, so who are we? Who, who are we with EF Education First as new owners of the team? And what do we strive to be? Do you miss racing when you're not there? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I love bike races. I love watching them on TV. I love watching them from the team car. I love watching them from the side of the road. I love watching them from the finish line. I mean, I love bike races. Um, so, you know, the more of them that I get to, to be around, the better. Can you give uh, an estimate of what, le with your knowledge, what level of the peloton now do you think is riding clean. Is that something <laughs> that you can put a percentage on? I, I don't know if you can put a percentage on it. What I would say is this. I mean, it's it just de facto, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but what I will say is this, is that I'm very confident that the anti-doping measures that are in place nowadays have constricted the ability of riders to take uh, uh, something or enough of something to actually fundamentally change the race. As to say, are there still riders doping? Sure, of course. I hope not that many, but they're out there. But then the question is, is with what they are taking, is it really changing around the way the race is? Are they, are they at a huge advantage over everyone else? And Because that used to be the case. It used to be the case that a doped rider was unassailable for an undoped rider. It just, that was the fact of the matter. And so it sort of compels everyone to end up doping. In this day and age, I do not see that. What I see is if people are doping, it's in such small quantities that they're trying to avoid the test because the tests are so much better that it's really not making a difference. And probably the sleep they're losing, you know, over the fact that they're constantly worried about testing positive is maybe affecting their performance more than if they were just, you know, riding natural. You know, the answer to your question is I don't know, but, but the answer to your question in, in another way is do I feel like clean riders can win the largest races in the world here now and today? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. Jonathan Vorters of EF Education First. Patrick Lefebvre has been a fixture of pro cycling since the 70s, first as a rider, but most notably as a director sportif and team manager of Lotto, Mappe, and for more than 15 years, Quickstep. He has an almost unrivaled record of wins in one-day races and a pretty good showing in Grand Tours. So what's his secret? I don't believe in secrets. I don't believe in miracles. Uh, I believe uh, as a leader, you have to exprime something to your uh, riders, to your staff, because not only the riders is important, the structure of your team is as important as your riders. So in our team, you don't see a lot of moving soigneurs, mechanics, whatever. It's a very big, strong structure, and we have all one common interest. We adore cycling. And in particular, you adore the classics and the monuments, the one-day races, because no, that's... a little bit uh, what they give to us the name, but uh, 
if you see the last years, we turned also good in stage races, classification, but uh, of course our core business was and is still uh, classics. What is it, uh, do you think, uh, about the team uh, that, that makes it so successful in, in the one-day races in it's particular? It's difficult to explain on a microphone. Uh, if you come to our team, you feel we are joking, we are doing everything, but then a few days before the big races, let's say one week before Saremo, until Liège, we focused. We are still joking, but uh, we are not stressed, but we are awake. We are very awake, we are very concentrated, and we know in this few weeks we have to do it. Now, you were saying earlier on that uh, even a team as successful as yours, even a team with so many victories as yours, it's still a battle uh, to keep going, it's still a battle to keep the finance coming in. Yeah, it's a little bit sad, of course, because in the past I had always very good sponsors, GBMG, MAPE, no problems about money. In the beginning, uh, Quickstep neither, but now, of course, the budgets are growing. Uh, some teams like Sky, BMC going on the lead and then you realize that you are six, seven, eight in the budget. But performance-wise, you are top three or maybe in my eyes, if you look at from January to October, we maybe the yeah, we not maybe, we are the last five years the most winning team in the world. So then, of course, the agents of the riders, they, they want to push up the, the prices of the riders and the sponsors want to pay less. So. so the cost of the riders and the cost of running the team goes up, but the actual money coming in is going down. Yeah. And then you have to make choices, of course. For some people, it's difficult to understand why I take some decisions. So why I let go in the past uh, Pozzato, Paolini of other riders because the budget went down. Why I let go now uh, Matteo Trentin de la Cruz or Brambilla? Because the budget going down, I'm investing more in young people who cost less today. That was the case why Matteo Trentin left, was it? It was simply uh, over money? Was it simply over money? Matteo was not only about money. I think we are very close. It's not about 10, 20 dollars euro if you're about uh, this level. These guys of Erika promised them the uh, only leadership, and I can understand, but I will never ever uh, work with one leader. I think I could offer them the same money, but I couldn't offer them the only leadership. What do you think the answer is? Because it, it seems extraordinary um, that a team as successful as yours, a team as successful as John Vorter's team, uh, should still be struggling to attract money and keep going. Well, please uh, don't, with all the respect, don't compare one team with another. Jonathan doing his job. They are not winning so much. They were quite good second part of the year. And beginning of the year, they were nowhere. They have other focus of us, but anywhere, America is the big market of the world, is the richest country of the world. If he doesn't find sponsors, why should I do? Is part of the problem the fact that cycling is so reliant on sponsors? Well, if, if you see the return of investment, it's amazing. I read uh, last week, I don't know if it's true, but as you were, said by the company, not by the team, that the return on investment this year was 100 million. 
I know that they're paying about 12 million. So this is amazing. And it's not only Asia Duer, a lot of other teams as well, but uh, nobody can explain me today why sponsors doesn't want to come to cycling. There must be alternative funding models that can be tried. Well, I'm from a small country, Flanders, and I don't do much on crowdfunding, on charity or whatever. Uh, I want to earn my money myself. Uh, I prefer to have a, bit, a little bit less budget, but sure budget. Better In Flemish we say better one bird in your hands than ten in the air. And what about things like television rights, which is you know, the sort of thing that funds Formula One, say, which is an expensive international sport? Television, are, the budget is not that huge. A few races, of course, Tour, Robert, Flanders, whatever. But officially for us, the television paying the organization and not us. You've been in cycling for so long, you, with respect, probably coming towards the end of your, you know, your, your career. Um, are you optimistic about the future of cycling? I have to, because I love cycling. And I think and I hope cycling will always be And I hope it, uh, the pro- because I was one of the first to believe in worldwide cycling. So if you look today, we go to Japan, we go to China, we go to America, we go to Argentina, down under. So automatically, I don't speak about big money today, but uh, that should be the reason for cycling to survive. Of all the riders, I know this is an impossible question, but of all the riders that you've had on your teams and the extraordinary names that have gone through, who was your favourite? Who do you think was the the real star? I cannot say it. This is too difficult because sometimes I have... uh, I almost cried because I remember I took Andy, Andy Fenn. Nobody knew him in Belgium. He was winning two races in Mallorca. It's it make me very emotional. But of course, the first win of Johan Museo in Flanders, 93. He was also uh, one of my area. Uh, we are people of uh, not that many words. Now I could go to the room of Johan, speak in five minutes, and we understood everything. You have people who can discuss like a lawyer, but next day they have nobody in a breakaway. Patrick Lefebvre. Taking a new approach to funding is Aqua Blue Sport, an Irish-based online marketplace for bikes and cycling kit, which supports a UCI Continental team of the same name. This year has been eventful for their rider, Stefan de Niefel, who took a stage in the Vuelta and overall in the Tour of Austria. Like as Austrian, that's almost like winning a Tour de France, a stage in the Tour de France. So um, that was my, my first first big win then uh, my son was born my, born, my son Xaver just uh, three weeks before the Vuelta and then winning a stage in the Vuelta like it was a, it was a good stage to win there was like a, a dramatic stage there was like a mountain stage winning it solo that was my dream I had and I was working for that like the last 15 years in cycling and it's good to achieve it finally have you got bored with telling the story of the uh, uh, stage win yet no no I will never get bored I guess um, it's different when you are a rider who wins every year some, some stages. Then you maybe can get bored or like, oh, not again. But for me, they will always be special. Uh, for sure, I hope that I can still win something big in the next years. But 
this, this year, also with the team, as a new team, Aqua Blue Sport, it makes it even more special you know, to, to achieve something great in the a, in a first year of our team. Um, and we are like, we only have 16 riders in our, in our, in our team. And we, that's like, a, that's like a, a family. Sometimes in the big teams, you have 25 to 30 riders. And then you have those a little bit groups, a climbing group, a sprinting group. And that's our, in our team, totally not. We had so much fun in the Vuelta, also off the bike. And even some of my teammates suffered a lot. But even they keep the morale so high, I was proud of them. Now, the stage you won, uh, it came from a breakaway, didn't it? Yeah. You, you were in a breakaway and, and, and you, you survived it. Yeah, the, the chances were really, really small. Like um, when half of the stage already Astana and all those big teams uh, starting chasing, you knew they want to go for the win. Like Lopez, even, even Froome, or especially Contador Alberto on this day. The good thing was for me, um, I never thought about winning or losing on this day. I, I only wanted to get up my best performance. I, I felt for sure my legs were amazing. I didn't lose any, any power during the day. Um, and then I was coming to the, to the last climb with only having uh, one minute. And you know we have eight, eight k's of a super, super steep climb. The good thing was on the end that I didn't have any radio information in the last five k's. So you didn't know that Contador was chasing mm, you? No, no, not really. No. Just like two k's to go, the mountain opened up and so I could see him and I turned around one time. And I just kept on going and it was like, it was such a good feeling. I had so good legs and, uh, and you know, nowadays if the power meter, if you like it or not like it, but uh, you see at least if the watts are up there, you know it's going to be hard to, to get you back. And that's also what I saw on my, on, my, on my computer. Like, if they catch me back now, then it's not my fault, at least. You looked over your shoulder, you saw Contador there, yeah, so and still coming. thought you could win. Yeah, this, the thing was uh, just two k's to go, and I knew the last case downhill are more or less flat. So uh, if I come to the last K mark with 10 seconds, then it, 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 cannot, it cannot get me. And that feeling then when you cross, cross the line, winning a solo, winning solo stage in the Vuelta, that feeling is amazing. I mean, it's only those three seconds where you're like alone still, just before the finish. But this is maybe the best feeling. Also, the, the feelings afterwards, the congratulations, is this, the podium is amazing. But the best you have is those three seconds where you like feel like that's it now. And you're staying with Aqua Blue for next season? Yes, I'm staying 100%. I mean, uh, the, team gave me, the team gave me last year the chance. And you saw it this year. It's, it's the best team for me. Like, we're doing great races. I have my freedom. I can help the younger riders. I'm, I'm feeling comfortable here. And that's also, when you feel comfortable, you can perform good and have, have good races. Because you've actually been in the peloton for a long time now, haven't you? When, when, yes. when was it you started? 2005? Or? Uh, 2006 was my first year in, in, in Austrian teams, but still professional teams. And then I came in in the pro tour, like 2010 with Chavelo, test team. I had one year there, then they closed. I had one year with Leo, but they closed. I had one year with Bacon Soleil, they closed. And then finally, I got settled with IAM at four years. So that was also a good team. And then there was coming my knee injury, 2014. So that also, um, I was just again, to 2014, I had an amazing spring. I was top 10 in Paris-Nice. But that's already something, something good where you can talk about it. I was top 10 in Liège, 2014. And then came my knee injury. That really got me back for one and a half, two years now. And this year was the first season again where I felt I'm up there I'm on my best. For sure, I knew when I was looking back to this season, sometimes it's uh, always it's so close between winning a race or getting second or third. But the output you're getting, 
imagine if I would have been second in the Welter stage this year and second in Tour of Austria. Not, it would have been super results, but not really. Uh, I, w I wouldn't be here now talking with you. So you also have to also keep that in mind. It's also like really, really close in cycling nowadays. And you're riding 3T bikes. The team are riding 3T bikes uh, next year. And the interesting thing about them, one of the most interesting things about them is they only have one chain ring. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Have you ridden one yet? I have. I, I did the video in Bagamo a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was doing a lot of mountain biking. So mountain biking, you know, it's the same development. They're coming from, from three train rings to two train rings to one train ring now. It's really interesting. The bikes itself is amazing. The thing is like everything what Giraffe, Room and touches is good. We, I started with Chavelo. When we had Chavelo this year, we had su such a big advantage in aerodynamics. When I looking back, we were just like passing other riders on, on, on the downhills because we're so fast. So that gives me confidence, you know. So if he does something, he knows what he does. But one chain ring, though, that's going to take a bit of getting used to, isn't it? For sure, we have to get used to it. That's like, even if you're getting new battles, you have to get used to it. It's a big thing, but um, for sure it makes a bit like if we are the only team who would have it. If, if next year every team would have it, then everybody's like, it's normal again. We as a team, we are a new team. We are somehow a bit a different team. We have like a team who has aquabluespot.com, our website. It's like kind of Amazon for cycling. That's good for us riders. So the goal is that in the next three, four years, those sites will finance our, our team. So that's something different, something new. So I also think these bikes fit good to us to having something new and, and something, something which is not on the market yet. We will give it a go and, and give our best. Stefan de Niffel. Time for the podcast quiz. Last time we asked who won the stage to Meur de Bretagne in the 2011 Tour de France. The answer was Cadell Evans, who went on to win the whole race that year. Nick Ryan won the tickets to the Ruler Classic. The question this time, one of Aqua Blue's director sportifs won a stage of the 2009 Tour de France. Name him. One of Aqua Blue's director sportif won a stage of the 2009 Tour de France. Name him. The prize is a Ruler t-shirt. Go to the Ruler website, find the page for this podcast and follow the instructions to enter. That's it for this edition of the Ruler podcast. Speak next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 